Let Calm Have a Chance. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Jason Freed, author, founder, and CEO of Basecamp. Welcome, Jason. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So for those people who haven't picked up one of your books or maybe haven't heard of your company, tell us a little bit about what Basecamp does and give us a brief rundown of the company's 20-year history. Sure. So uh, Basecamp's the name of the company and also the name of our main product, Basecamp. Basecamp's a project management tool. Um, and we've been doing Basecamp since about 2004, and we're currently on a third major version of it. And the big deal with Basecamp is that Basecamp is, is a really kind of a one-stop shop, all-in-one tool that brings an entire project, an entire team together in one place versus the way the industry is trending right now. People try to like hack together four, five, six separate products and try to make something work, but that just like ends up with a really scattered, like information scattered, the team scattered, the project scattered. It just doesn't really work. So Basecamp is, is sort of an all-in-one thing. So that's kind of what we're about. Um, we also write books, which are more about the business side of things, like how we approach building a business, why we keep our business small intentionally, why we think 40 hours is enough work per week, not per day, <laughs> per week. Um, and uh, we have you know, some pretty uh, outspoken opinions about raising money in Silicon Valley and the toxicity of Silicon Valley and that sort of thing. So we've got that going on. Um, as far as the history of the company, um, so we've been in business for 20 years. We've been profitable every year. And that's sort of a big part of our existence is actually running a, a solid, sound business and not just kind of losing a bunch of money forever and, and crossing our fingers and hoping one day we'll make some. Um, but we've done a bunch of different things over the years, a bunch of different products, but about five years ago, we consolidated, just focused on Basecamp alone, and then we continue to write books. And actually, we do have another product coming out soon, which we said we would never do, but we're gonna launch another product either at the end of the year, this year or early next year. Um, but that's sort of a, I mean, that's an extremely brief summary, but that's probably enough, otherwise that would take up all the time. And, and talk more about it um as, 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 including your new product that you're launching at the end of the year sure. so but let's talk about your latest book which is why i brought you here your latest book is it doesn't have to be crazy at work so we always feel like it does right and you've written a half a dozen books or so by now what motivated you to write this one well uh, i talked to a lot of friends and just you know when you talk to friends you're like hey how's it going what's up what's new whatever and you eventually kind of move your way into talking about work it seems that's what Americans do, and that's what I was doing. And, and everyone was just saying, it's, oh, it's crazy at work. Like, that's what everyone's response was, it's crazy at work. And you, you hear this enough, and, and I, I don't identify with that. Um, there are moments when it's hectic, perhaps, or a little crazy, but the norm at base camp is not that. The norm is calm. And as I heard more and more people talk about why it's always crazy at work, and you ask them, well, what's crazy about it? They're like, well, I'm working 70, 80 hour weeks. I'm answering emails on the weekends, I'm, I'm on call 24 seven, uh, my boss is sending me a note at 11 o'clock PM, like, like what, what is, that's, that's crazy, like that doesn't have to be that way. And so uh, we decided to take a step back and, and really sort of evaluate how we work and put that together in a book to show people that you can actually build a wonderful company that exists for a long, long periods of time, that's very profitable, um, and you can do it on 40 hours a week and eight hour days and you can do it without like running around with your hair on fire and you can do it without demanding people get back to you at 10 o'clock at night and you can do it by giving people th uh, one month sabbaticals every three years and extended vacations and working four days a week in the summer and all these things that, that we do which is very different than the rest of the industry one to put this in a book so we can get the word out we put it in a blog post and put it in talks and whatnot but a book has a has a way of solidifying the ideas and making it very shareable and so that's what we did. 
you say that one of the worst inventions in modern technology is the shared calendar. Why yeah, is that? Horrible. Well, um, the shared calendar basically allows everybody to take each other's time. And um, all you've got during your day is, is your time to do your work. And one of the reasons people are working later and longer and more frequently is not because there's more work to do. It's because they don't have any time to do the work during the work day because their work day has been sliced into a bunch of different little blocks, color blocks. We call it calendar Tetris. You look at someone's calendar and there's like red block and blue block and green block and everyone's time is just chunked up into these small one hour blocks. And it's because shared calendars allow you to see someone else's schedule and pick off time. And um, yeah, granted, you could say no to, to, to an invitation, but most people don't because then they're not a team player and all the other bad things that happen when you say no to people at work. Um, so uh, ends up, the, the, like the mo most of your day is now dictated by what other people want you to do with it. And, uh, and it's all initiated and enabled by, by shared calendars. So at Basecamp, nobody has a calendar that anybody else can see. So if I, if I want to meet up with someone and talk to someone, I actually ask them. I just say, hey, hey, Ryan, like, are you free at three o'clock on Thursday to catch up about this idea? And he'll say yes, or he'll say no. And then we'll negotiate the time and the day and whatever, and we'll work it out. Versus like me being able to see his whole schedule and, and just like pick off that time. And some people will like, you know, set off, set aside blocks of time saying like, don't bother me during this time. But that just is emblematic of the problem. It just represents the fact that people have to then claim their day. Like you should have your whole day to yourself every day so you can get your work done and be done at like five o'clock. So anyway, shared calendars enable this behavior and I think they're really dangerous things and so therefore we don't have any at Basecamp. Basecamp employs roughly about 60 people and you've been very successful, right? You've, you, you, you know, we all have seen that. But how do your ideas about work scale to organizations how does it scale to, to those that are organizations that are an order of magnitude larger enterprise? Yeah. Well, first off, I don't care is my first answer um, because you know, everyone's obsessed with the enterprise, but the enterprise is there's hardly any of them. Um, there's, there's millions of small businesses and medium sized businesses. And I'd much rather help them than help the enterprise companies. Um, but that being said, um, these, these principles definitely apply, but they apply at, at different scales. So they don't apply necessarily to the, I mean, they could, but to the whole company, but it might be a team. So a specific team, maybe of seven people or 12 people or 20 people can implement some of these ideas, perhaps if they have a little bit more autonomy in terms of their, their workspace and their environment and their requirements and whatnot. So I think that I would look at it in terms of how can these ideas apply to specific groups inside of an organization. And some organizations are just small enough that the whole organization can work this way. But others, it might just be groups within that organization. But fundamentally, like I'm here to help the smaller company, uh, the sustainable company, the, the mid-sized company that really wants to improve, that knows everybody's first names, that knows everybody's names, that really wants to make a better place for those kinds of groups. And while these ideas, again, may apply, they typically apply in smaller scales inside larger companies. Why do you hesitate to offer advice that, to those who may be just starting their career or even those starting a company? And can't we learn from those with much more experience? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because um, you must have seen me rant about this. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, you know, advice has a shelf life uh, and it expires pretty quickly actually. And I'm the wrong person to talk to about starting a business. I started a business 20 years ago. Like, I don't remember. 
what do you, what, do you remember what you're doing 20 years ago? Really at, at, at like a molecular level, enough of a, of a detailed level to really tell someone like, or give someone really fair advice. No, you probably are making up your own myths and you're probably recreating history because that's just how, how our minds work. We don't really remember 20 years ago. And also things change over time. So I think if you want to know what it's like to start a business or how to start a business, or whatever, I'd go talk to someone who did that six months ago, even if they're struggling, because that's more realistic than where I'm at right now, which is 20 years in comfortably running a good business. Um, I don't have the same or the, the, the right degree of, of advice to give you, which is also why I don't think small businesses should ever look to like, so what, what would Steve Jobs do? Or, you know, what would Mark Zuckerberg do? Or what would Sheryl Sandberg, like, who cares? Like they run organizations with tens of thousands of people that has nothing to do with your four people. Like it's the wrong scale of advice. Or like, how do they run their products? Or how do they run their process? Like what scale are we talking about here? Like the way a large company works is not the way a small company works and it shouldn't be. So I think whatever, you, whatever advice you're looking for from anybody, um, you want to find contextual relevant advice. And that's typically like, if you're thinking about how to do something, I'd look at other people around the same size. If you're looking at how to do something, I'd look at, you know, who's been, who's doing it right now, who recently did it versus who did it a long time ago. So I try to refrain from that kind of advice. I'm happy to give advice on how to, you know, run a sustainable business, how to build a profitable business, how to do product design, how to market products. Cause that's stuff I do every day, how to hire those kinds of things, but how to start. Um, I, I have, I have thoughts, but I, I put very little weight on those, to be honest. Your book is all about being more effective by being less busy. So who suffers more from the busy trap? Would it be the senior manager at a large enterprise or the lone ranger trying to get ahead in a gig economy? Uh, I'd say, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take the easy way out and say both, but <laughs> let me, I actually think, so managers typically like at, at a manager level in a larger company, their job is to kind of be busy almost. That's kind of the job, like bouncing between meetings and help bouncing between people and whatever. So that's kind of how they fill their day anyway. But I think the problem is, is that a few notches down, the people who are actually doing the day-to-day -day work, if they're too busy with busy work or they're being pulled, apart, uh, pulled aside constantly and having to attend this meeting or that meeting or this conference call or this video chat or whatever it might be all day long, they don't actually have the time to do the work that they're assigned to do. Managers, their work in many ways is to be bouncing around and training and teaching and seeing how things are going, whatever, and kind of setting direction. So that is kind of their work. So that's sort of the problem is that the people at the top who, whose work it is to kind of be busy in a sense, although I don't really totally believe that, but in many organizations, that's a sense. They push that down to people down below who don't have the luxury of being able to be busy and also being able to deliver. So I think that the, the, the sort of the, the lower you are in an organization, the more precious actually your time should be treated because you're the one who's doing the work on the ground and you need the time, focus and attention to do that. And you, you often need uninterrupted stretches of time to do that kind of work. So that's how I would kind of answer that. I think busy in general is a bit of a disease. I don't think there's really a lot of good reasons to be flat out busy, meaning your whole day scheduled, your whole day occupied. I know in some industries it's different. Of course, there's always exceptions, but I think most people's days are probably a little bit too rigid to begin with. And I think that this comes back to the, the, the calendar thing is that it's so easy to fall into a rigid format when 
the way your time is divvied up is, is very rigid by these one hour boxes. So anyway, that's sort of a long answer to that, but that's kind of my thought. How do you maximize your results if you aren't obsessed with accomplishments? I think a good example of that would be like Gary Vaynerchuk who says, go out and crush it. You know, you guys, as you've said, you only differ. You think, I think you've told me it's like 5% and, and yeah. what you each other believe. So where is that difference? Well, first off, I don't personally believe in maximization. Um, I'm not interested in maximizing anything. I'm interested in finding a sustainable path, pace, um, and I'm totally comfortable leaving things on the table, like leaving money on the table, leaving opportunities on the table. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to do, my life is however long it's going to be. I'm not going to do everything I want to ever do, like every day, and every day is not going to be amazing. It's like, you, you, you get by, you do the best you can. And hopefully you have time to do other things than just chase maximization. I just don't, I, I don't, so I'm not into the maximization thing. And I don't, I don't know if Gary is either. I, I wouldn't put words in his mouth about that. I think where we differ though is the sort of, I mean, all you have to do is watch Gary's, um, you know, YouTube channel. And it's like, he's on a flight every day. He's in meetings every day. He's working all the time. He's encouraging others to hustle and work all the time. Um, and that to me is not, that's where we differ, let's, let's say. I don't think that's necessary, nor do I think it's actually productive. Um, I think it's a good way to tire yourself out. It's a good way to burn yourself out. It's a good way to stay busy and actually not even look at what you're doing. But hey, as long as I'm, as long as I'm doing something, as long as I'm on a plane, as long as I'm going to this conference, as long as I'm busy, as long as I'm like out of breath, as long as I'm on the phone, as long as I'm in a cab and not a cab, like you can feel like you're making progress, but that could be a type of progress, but it's probably not the progress most people need to be making. Most people probably need to be focused. Um, they need to shut down other externalities and like get focused in on the work they need to do. They need to solve a couple things a day, do a couple things a day, and not run around all over the place and work forever. And I also think perspective is incredibly important, which means you need to leave the thing you're doing and come back to it. You need to have other experiences and bring those back to the thing. There's nothing more valuable than the next morning. Like a well-rested sleep is, of course, hugely important. But every morning you come back and you look at what you did yesterday, there's a real clarity there. And I think you can get that clarity more often if you, if you leave your work alone for a while and come back later versus being so obsessed and, and absorbed in it. The last thing I would say about that is that I think that, and this isn't a Gary thing, this is more of an American thing, this sense of, of what does success mean? And a lot of people think success means like, um, counting money and, um, and being busy and having huge amounts of power and having massive egos. I just don't, I don't think that that's true. I think to me, success is, do I want to do this again? Can I do the same thing I want to be doing day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, and not feel tired and not feel burned out. So that's my take on it. Define what you mean by a calm organization and what are the first steps in building one? Um, that's a good one. Uh, calm basically to us means, means people have um, reasonable expectations. Actually, let me step back for a second. There's kind of two things that make things, make an organization not calm. So I'll kind of answer it in that definition. One is like the pursuit of endless growth. Um, if, if growth is the target, like massive rapid growth forever, 10x, 20x, 30x, whatever x you want to do, like it's very hard to be calm in an environment like that. So I think you have to initially um, slow down or, um, come to terms with the fact that, that growth, endless growth is probably unhealthy ultimately and also unsustainable. Um, the other thing is, is distractions and interruptions. 
So most people are constantly being distracted by communication, by uh, demands, by expectations they can't meet, by deadlines that are unreasonable, by people who are asking questions that they can figure out the answer themselves. And we're constantly being bombarded with, with interact or, uh, disruptions and, um, and distractions. And, and, and most of these are notifications, that sort of thing. So I think you've got to begin to work in a way where you're not being blasted all day long and the expectations are not of, 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 of rapid growth. I think if you can get those two things out of the way, then you can begin to, to, to say, wow, I've actually, I have time today to do my work. Like no one's breathing down my neck. No one's looking over my shoulder. I don't feel pressure pushing against me every moment of the day. Um, and that's where calm begins is, is, is feeling like no one's pushing you that hard all the time. Um, where you can actually take a breath, you can actually walk out and not have to tell somebody, you can actually take a walk and think about things. You actually have time to think. I mean, one of the things I'll often ask people when I go speak at conferences is like, when's the last time you had even a couple hours yourself in a work day? Like, when have you had two hours to think ever in a, like at work? And most people are like, never. I haven't ever had two hours to myself in a given day. To me, that's tragic. And I don't think you can have, you can run a calm company if people don't have that kind of time to themselves to think. So it's a broad answer, but those are some of the things I think you need to get out of the way in order to let calm kind of have a chance. I would totally agree. Let calm have a chance. Jason Freed, founder and CEO of Basecamp and author of It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. I would completely agree with that. If somebody wants to maybe get a copy of your book, Jason, uh, or connect with you personally, how can they do that? Well, the book, you can get any bookstore um, you want. Uh, and um, you can get in touch with me usually on Twitter at at Jason Freed, F-R-I-E-D. Um, another place you can you can go is is actually you can go listen to our podcast, which is um, contains a lot of these ideas in more more detail. Um, so that's at rework.fm. So R-E-W-O-R-K.fm. And then um, if you can find my email address, I do get back to people, but I'm not going to give it out. <laughs> but it's out there. So I, I usually would get back to everybody within a few days or a few weeks, depending on my my schedule. But I will I will write you back. Sounds good. Thanks again, Jason. Thank you. Absolutely. And you can find me right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.